Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and you're listening to the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast, a place for practical advice for women looking to balance their hormones, ditch dieting, and discover mindset shifts that will keep you motivated and empowered on your healthy eating journey. Are you ready to get started? Well, hey there, and welcome back. I'm so excited that you've joined me today because my guest is someone that you need to know if you're not already following her. Her name is Tiana Smith, and she's a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. Tiana and I are going to talk about how to ditch diet mentality, how to achieve food freedom, and how to mend your relationship with food because this is what she does. She's helped hundreds of women do exactly that and feel so much better about their body, their eating, their food choice and everything related to their health. Tiana is also the creator of Food Freedom University, which is an online program that I highly encourage you to check out. All the links to Tiana's materials and stuff and where you can find her is in the show notes for today's episode. So without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Tiana Smith about food freedom. Hey, Tiana, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. I'm so excited for today's conversation. We're talking about intuitive eating and food freedom. Before we dive into that, can you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Tiana Smith. I am a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, and I've been helping women who struggle with eating disorders and disordered eating and people who want to learn how to become intuitive eaters uh, for the last 10 years. So I'm all about helping people break free from dieting, helping them feel at peace with food in their bodies. And um, I do a lot of body image work as well with my clients. So that's, you know, all the stuff that I'm super passionate about. And it's so, so needed, especially I think the more diets we see, the more this kind of approach and strategies are really, really important. How did you get into it? What led you into this area? Yeah, so it started out where I was actually um, working at eating disorder facilities. So for the first seven years of my career, I solely worked at eating disorder facilities and it just broke my heart to see how many women were suffering. And usually what sparks an eating disorder is the need or, or, or feeling the need to be quote unquote healthier and to want to just lose a little bit of weight. Now, granted eating disorders are uh, very, very complex and there's a lot that goes into that. But for so many of my clients, I always ask them, you know, how do you think that your struggles with food in your body started? And they always say it, it started in uh, diet culture where, you know, they just felt like, they wanted to be healthier. So they started to, you know, cut back on certain foods and things like that. And so um, it just really brought to my attention just how sick our culture is in the way that they view food and bodies. And so uh, when I heard about intuitive eating and I read the book for the first time almost 10 years ago, I just couldn't believe how much I related to everything that they talked about in there. And I felt very validated in my struggles. I felt like I was 
one of the only people that struggled with their relationship with food, aside from people who maybe have a diagnosed eating disorder. And so, um, yeah, personally in my life, intuitive eating has just completely changed the way that I view food, the way that I care for my body, the way that I move my body. So it's, it's really such an amazing thing. So I'm sure the intuitive eating book, and we should say which book you're referring to. So we all know as dietitians, that's kind of like the Bible of intuitive eating, but can you mention, um, the name of the book, the authors, and if someone wants to get their hands on it, how, what would it be? Yeah, absolutely. So the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch is what I'm referring to. They also do have a workbook. And I believe also they have a new daily tips uh, little book as well. I haven't gotten my hands on that one yet, but I want to. But yeah, the book Intuitive Eating, that's exactly what it's called. You can get it on Amazon and it's like $15. So really you might as well check it out because it's, it's not going to be anything expensive and it's a very easy read as well. Okay. And I know the book is heavily based in research around dieting and there's a lot of, um, you know, studies that are included in the book to kind of support the intuitive eating philosophy. Can you talk a little bit about what does the science show us about the outcomes of diets and what about intuitive eating on the other hand? Yeah. So I believe the entire first chapter is just all about research studies that, and, and over 125 research studies have been conducted validating intuitive eating. And Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rash, they're amazing dietitians and everything that they do is science-based. You know, that's what we, we pride ourselves on that we teach based off of science. And so, um, like I said, the first chapter is all the science. And then even throughout the book, there's other research studies that um, are mentioned throughout the book. But yeah, a lot of the studies that, that they talk about is the long-term effects that people experience from dieting. And the number one thing that I always like to bring to people's attention is what happens throughout the diet cycle. And so um, in the book specifically, they talk about what's called weight cycling. And this actually wasn't something that I even learned in school. I don't know if you learned it in school, but not something that I had heard of. And it makes so much sense. So weight cycling is where when somebody goes on a diet and they lose weight, but diets are not sustainable as we know. So people go off the diet, typically they end up binging and they then gain back everything that they lost, usually plus some. And what this actually does is it sets people up for chronic disease. And a lot of people don't realize that actually dieting in and of itself indirectly affects your health status. And so a lot of research has shown that people are more likely to develop type two diabetes, hyperlipidemia, some of these other things that, you know, we, we want to try to avoid, right. But through dieting and through weight cycling, we are actually setting us up for developing these chronic illnesses. Mm. And so a lot of people think that to be healthy, they need to lose weight. And oftentimes people will then turn to the latest fad diet in order to do that. But what they don't realize is, is that's not going to be sustainable. 
And when they gain that weight back, usually that weight is actually also deposited in the abdominal region, which I'm sure as a dietitian, you know, like that does set us up for a risk of chronic illness. And so, um, it's, it's a big deal. It's, it's very concerning to me that a lot of, uh, health professionals, especially doctors will specifically recommend weight loss and fad diets. And really that's just continuing to perpetuate health problems. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of other studies, um, conducted, but that one in particular is the one that I like to uh, point out most because I think most people want to just be healthy and they think that they need to do that by losing weight and going on diets, but it's counterproductive. It doesn't work. So, and you mentioned how to be healthy. We don't need to lose weight. Can you talk a little bit about health at every size and how that relates with the intuitive eating philosophy? Yes, absolutely. So intuitive eating and health at every size very much go hand in hand. So, um, I'm really glad that you asked about this too, because I feel like there are a ton of misconceptions around health at every size. So with health at every size, there's, there's kind of two parts. There's, there's the part where, you know, we focus on weight stigma and discrimination and recognizing that everybody deserves dignity and respect, no matter their body size. And then there's also looking more at health behaviors rather than the number on the scale. And so this is what I'm constantly trying to encourage my clients to keep in mind that what matters is their health behaviors not the number on the scale. Our weight does not define our health. And that is a big part of health at every size that, you know, as we work towards becoming intuitive eaters and actually honoring and listening and respecting our bodies, that is what's going to lead us to being healthy, not the number on the scale. And so Mm -hmm. that's a big part of it. Uh, another part of health at every size is moving your body in a way that feels good for you and, and in a way that's going to be healthy for you. So for example, um, if somebody had knee problems, it probably wouldn't be real healthy for them to go run every day or even run once a week, maybe, but, um, you know, for somebody else, maybe that is something they genuinely enjoy and that's what they do, but we have to think about, you know, this being more um, in an individualized kind of way, like determining what is appropriate for a person given their circumstances and and what they genuinely like. So um, there's a lot more I could say about health at every size, but that's sort of it in a nutshell. So it sounds more in general, both of those approaches looking to just free us from anything that society says, this is the right way, this is the wrong way, or you should be doing X exercise to you to get to X result. None of that is really the case, right? None of that is really proven. There's so much variety and options and bio-individuality and how we should take care of ourselves. And I think those two philosophies can really help someone break out of, of some dogmatic rules or some kind of, you know, boxes that are hard to come break out of. They're hard to stop kind of, you know, subjecting yourself to those rules, but I think it, it can be very freeing for someone. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned that word specifically rules because that is what our culture teaches. 
that we need to have rules around food and how we move our body and how we care for ourselves. But when we have rules around our food, our inner child is going to want to rebel. And that is where overeating and binging comes in. That's something that I personally used to struggle with before I became an intuitive eater. And I'm very open and honest about, you know, my own experiences with that. And, um, yeah, I'm very passionate about, you know, helping people break free from those thoughts and those beliefs that you have to have these rigid rules. It doesn't even have to be a formal diet that somebody's following. You know, it could just be these uh, rules that they've picked up along the way that really keeps them from feeling free with food and, and movement. So, yeah, I I love that you mentioned that, that word. Yeah. And I think we tend to feel guilty, but it's really human nature to want to rebel and break those rules. Right. So whenever someone says, oh, I know I shouldn't be eating this, but I did eat it. And I say, congrats, you're normal, right? Like (laughs) you're human, you're okay. Like congratulations. But I think we're so cultured to believe that was wrong or we should feel guilty or ashamed about it that mentally it can be hard. Exactly. And when we feel that guilt and shame, that is going to actually drive us to want to eat those things more. And so it's so important that we learn to uh, see foods as just neutral, you know, not good or bad. All foods are going to contain different nutrients. As we know, some will be more nutrient dense than others, but when we put certain foods on a pedestal, that's going to drive us to want to eat them even more. So uh, that's one of the beautiful things about intuitive eating is, is being able to just see food as food. Okay, so let's dive a little more into the principles of intuitive eating. So I know what you had just mentioned, food being food, totally neutral, not good or bad, not having, you know, food doesn't have moral values. We don't wanna label food in any specific way. Is that one of the core principles that people you know, should know about or start practicing? Yes, absolutely. So making peace with food is a very important principle of intuitive eating. And that is where really you are just seeing food as food and um, getting rid of that language of like, this is good, or this is bad. This is junk. This is healthy. um, Because who even determines what that is, right? So, you know, working on removing that kind of lingo from your vocabulary and also challenging the food police. So that challenging the food police is another important principle. And that is the food rules that we create around our food. Mm -hmm. And so challenging the food police is very important because if we continue to live our lives based around these food rules, it's going to be impossible to feel at peace with food. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to have that guilt and shame when we eat the things that we like, but that we think are bad. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, there's 10 principles of intuitive eating. Uh, My favorite one actually is the satisfaction factor. And so this actually Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who wrote the book intuitive eating, um, they say actually that the satisfaction factor is the hub of intuitive eating. So really, you know, if you're not feeling satisfied when eating, 
it's going to be difficult to, you know, experience the as other principles of intuitive eating. So I like to kind of refer to the satisfaction factor as eating a meal that just hits the spot where you are just perfectly content, both mentally and physically when you eat. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't feel satisfied when they eat. And that's because if they're following diet rules and they're not having foods in a way that they genuinely like, they're not going to, to feel good afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, they're either going to not feel comfortably full or they're not going to feel satisfied mentally. So, um, that's really important. And then when somebody's binging, you know, I've worked with women for 10 years who struggle with eating disorders and even women who don't, but when somebody's binging, they're actually not even really tasting the food. They're really more just going through the motions and experiencing that excitement and that thrill of eating their quote unquote forbidden foods um, to where they're actually not even feeling satisfied. And then they're left feeling really guilty afterwards. Mm -hmm. So choosing foods that we genuinely enjoy and really being mindful and eating them is so important in order to feel satisfied. And that's actually going to help us prevent uh, overeating later. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but there are, there are 10 principles. They are all very important. And um, in my course, Food Freedom University, we go through all 10 principles in depth. And I have homework assignments that go along with it. And um, I answer questions in the live Q and A. So yeah, just really grasping all 10 principles is so key. Do the principles build upon each other or they can be used individually? So in the book, they obviously are in, in a, um, like in a, they're set up in a way that the authors uh, liked. However, I've been trained specifically from Evelyn Triboli, and she actually says you can teach them in any order. And so given that I've been doing this work for 10 years, I really have a proven way of teaching the principles in a way that I find makes most sense for most people. Mm -hmm. And so I really actually start with trying to understand currently where you're at before even diving into the principles. And then we talk a little bit about menu planning actually, Mm -hmm. um, and how that can fit in to intuitive eating so that you can feel safe while doing this. And then we move into hunger fullness and making peace with food, body image and and so on. So um, yeah, I think everybody teaches it probably a little bit different, but um, the way that I teach it has just been very effective for a lot of people. Can you give us a little bit of an idea about how someone can practically start freeing themselves from diet mentality and kind of ditching those thoughts and, you know, labeling of food and all of that? What would that look like in practice? Yeah. So I think number one is awareness, recognizing that just because you think a certain food is bad, doesn't mean that it's bad, that literally every single food on this planet contains some kind of nourishment for your body. A lot of people don't see food in that way. They just, they look at it as good or bad. And so having that knowledge is key. Uh, So with that, when you have that knowledge, when you acquire that knowledge, you can then reframe these thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I encourage people to do is when a, a thought pops into your mind, maybe you are really craving a cookie, but the thought pops in your mind of like, no, I shouldn't have that cookie. Cookies are bad for me. I want you to reframe that and say, nope, cookies actually do contain nourishment for my body. And more importantly than that, cookies are delicious and it's healthy to enjoy the foods that I like. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. And just to add to that too, I'd also say, you know, if you have that cookie now and you first crave it, you're not going to think about it anymore. And if you continue to think about it because you restrict it, that's what's going to lead you to actually overeating or binging on the cookies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, reframing those thoughts, allowing your body to enjoy the things that you like is so important. And I always say, um, you know, savor the things that you like too. like really taste every single bite and be really mindful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have to retrain our brains to see food as food. And so that's what I always uh, encourage my clients to do. Mm -hmm. And over time, once we let go of these food rules and we allow certain foods that maybe we think are, you know, not supposed to be part of our plan, but we really want them that you're saying over time reduces the desire or the, the kind of extreme of restriction and binging or restriction and overeating on those certain foods, right? Just Absolutely. being able to accept them as part of our day reduces the tension around eating that food. Exactly. Yeah. So the novelty will wear off as you allow yourself to have the things that you genuinely enjoy. So I'll use myself as an example. 10 years ago, before I started, well, I started my intuitive eating journey about 10 years ago. So let's say 12 years ago. <laughs> I, um, I really struggled a lot with chocolate chip cookies. Like if you ask me my favorite dessert, it is just freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. And so back then I, I was struggling with negative body image and, you know, all the things that most women struggle with, I feel like these days. And I would tell myself, Tiana, you cannot have cookies. Like cookies are bad. Cookies will prevent you from losing weight. Um, you need to stay away from these. And it hit me one day as I was, you know, really early on in my intuitive eating journey, I would say, where I thought, you know, it would be a lot healthier for my body if I just had a chocolate chip cookie every single day versus doing what I was currently doing then, which was trying to restrict the cookies and then ultimately giving in and having 10 in one sitting. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to do a little bit of an experiment with it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make some chocolate chip cookies and I'm going to have one or two every day as a snack and just see how I feel. And those cookies lost their power by doing this. Now I can make chocolate chip cookies and, and have one and feel totally content. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'll make them again a few weeks later. Before my intuitive eating days, I never would have been able to do that. I would have eaten them all in one sitting. Mm -hmm. like, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is something that can be really scary for people though. A lot of people think, well, that's great and all, but I don't know if this will work for me. 
But the truth is I have worked with so many women who have experienced so many amazing aha moments, just like my chocolate chip cookie experience. And so I always say, you have to just trust me. Like I am the expert in this, (laughs) you know, and eventually you will become the expert of your own body. But for now you have to trust me with this. And those that trust me do amazing. They really do. So do you think there, um, is it, so how long would it take for someone to kind of get, I know it's probably very individualized, but for someone to get to a place where they're comfortable with that philosophy and they real, they gain confidence around this type of eating, how off, how long do you think that takes generally? You know, that's a really good question. Cause it really differs for everybody, depending on, um, the type of eater they are, if they have any history of eating, of an eating disorder, um, the extent of their disordered eating. And so um, that's a real, really tough question to, to answer. Mm-hmm. With my online digital course, Food Freedom University, I guarantee that everybody in my course is going to understand in eight weeks everything that they are going to need to know from a knowledge perspective in order to continue their intuitive eating journeys on their own. Mm -hmm. Like that is my goal. I don't want to have to, I mean, although I love my clients, I don't want to have to see them long-term. I want them to gain the knowledge and the support and then be able to, you know, go and and apply the principles completely on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, With that being said though, you know, it took me a while to reach stage five of intuitive eating. So there's, there's five stages of intuitive eating. I feel like most people, when they start working with me are at stage one, maybe stage two. And by the end of my course, people are usually at stage three or stage four, Mm -hmm. but I always say, you know, intuitive eating is a journey. So this isn't like, Hey, you're going to join this diet plan and lose 10 pounds in a month. There's not hard and clear, um, like what's the word, like objective data that's going to come from this. So because it's a journey, there's going to be ups and downs. I always say it's so important to like, just recognize that those downs are actually good opportunities to learn and to grow as an intuitive eater and to learn more about yourself and your body. But, um, I would say for most people, it can take a year longer to really reach stage five. Can you walk us through the stages quickly? What, what, what are the different phases or stages that someone would be at throughout the journey? Yeah. So stage five is your classic. I'm struggling with food rules. I'm, I'm weighing myself and, and really focusing on the number on the scale. Um, I don't listen to my body at all. I'm not aware of what I'm eating, when I'm eating, um, just, you know, there's a lot of disconnect with your body when somebody's at stage one, mm-hmm. stage two is where we move more into, um, hyper consciousness, meaning you're starting to just recognize your hunger and fullness cues. You're starting to recognize what foods you like and what foods you don't like. Um, and, and you're just beginning to learn more about the, the, the different sensations in your body. Uh, as we move into stage three, this is where people have more confidence in their true likes and dislikes. They're choosing the foods that they like most often uh, because they genuinely like them. 
Um, but there is still some, some thoughts and struggles with diet culture and some thoughts of, of, you know, wishing that you could change your body still. Um, but you've gotten a lot better at just tuning in mm-hmm. and then stage four and stage five, it just keeps getting better and better to where once you're at stage five, like I'm at stage five and I have been for a long time, I can sit down and, and eat a meal and enjoy a meal and not have to really tune in real specifically to my hunger and fullness cues. It just feels natural. And I typically know just when I need to stop without even giving it much thought. Mm-hmm. And I never, literally never choose foods because of its nutrition content. And I know that sounds crazy coming from a dietitian. I genuinely like to eat more balanced because I know that my body's going to feel better when doing that. And so, yes, I am, I get a good variety of nutrients and, and I enjoy my food, but I'm not specifically like going to a restaurant and saying, I have to get the salad because that's healthier than the cheeseburger. Like sometimes the salad genuinely sounds better. And sometimes the cheeseburger sounds genuinely better. And I don't question whether or not I should get the cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. So it's very intuitive. It is a beautiful place to be. Um, but it, it takes- like you don't also, <laughs> it does sound like you also don't add like narrative on your choices. Yes. Yeah. It's, do I like this? Yes. No. Am I hungry? Yes. No. Okay. I'm getting this, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't battle back and forth. Um, I allow my body to be my guide and I, I love my body and I trust my body. And I never could have said that before I became an intuitive eater, but I know that my body is going to do what my body needs to do. Mm-hmm. So having that body trust is, is wonderful. And I, I'm so passionate about helping people get there too, because it's just such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a lot of my listeners are hearing you saying these things and they say, that sounds amazing. I wish I could do that, but I'm scared that I may not have what it takes, or I may not be in the right place mentally, physically, emotionally to embark on an intuitive eating journey. Do you see that people have a lot of fears around intuitive eating? I do. And I'll be honest, most of my clients tell me they wish they would have started their intuitive eating journeys sooner because fear held them back from jumping all in. And so with that, it's so cool just to see actually how I would say fairly quickly people learn and apply the principles when they start working with me. And, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate though that that people let their fears kind of cripple them and keep them stuck. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of the work I do too is that, you know, trying to motivate people to to take this leap and to know that it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be better than okay. <laughs> so is there anyone that intuitive eating is not for? So I would say no. Okay. I've, I've worked with people who have allergies. I've worked with people that have IBS. I've worked with people that have PCOS. I have worked with people who have diabetes, heart disease, all of it. And our bodies are amazing at guiding us. And so, yes, with somebody with an allergy, you know, that's going to require some additional counseling from me. 
So like if somebody is in my course, for example, and they have allergies, uh, I do allow people to see me one-on-one at 20% off my individual services if they're in my course. And that's where I would, I would just jump on a 30 to 60 minute call with them over zoom or, or whatever. And we would work through that so that they know how to accommodate for their allergies while still being an intuitive eater. Mm-hmm. So yeah, intuitive eating really is for literally every single person. Um, when I do work with people who struggle with eating disorders, specifically anorexia, I do have to be a little bit more careful in the way that I teach the principles. So if somebody, for example, is not having accurate hunger and fullness cues at all, that may be a principle that we put on the back burner. We may start with some other principles to kind of get them going. And then as their hunger and fullness cues uh, repair, then we'll start, you know, moving more into that. But um, that's where, you know, just having a dietitian for guidance is really key. Very interesting. Um, I do think that, you know, with the fears and people being hesitant to start on intuitive eating, there are probably a lot of myths and misconceptions about it. So I'm glad we're here clarifying, but can you tell me a little bit about what are some of the common ones that you often see with intuitive eating? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, uh, I see so much on like social media that just kind of makes me cringe because, I feel like intuitive eating is becoming more known and a lot of people are using it as sort of a marketing term. And they're doing that in the sense of um, they're saying that they encourage and preach and teach intuitive eating while simultaneously encouraging weight loss. And one of the the biggest pet peeves of mine is um, that people think that intuitive eating is a diet that they think it's something that they're going to go on to lose weight. And I recognize that my practice would probably be a lot busier if I did that. If I said, yes, I will teach you intuitive eating and I will also teach you how to lose weight. But that would also be really unethical. That's not what intuitive eating is about. It's about learning to honor, trust, and respect your body. So that's a very important one. Uh, But with that, I will also say that I think one misconception is a lot of people will then say, okay, so I'm for sure going to gain weight then if I become an intuitive eater. That's actually not true. Um, When I became an intuitive eater, I actually did lose weight, but I'm very hesitant to share that with people because I do not want them to think that that's going to be the result for them as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, some of my clients will lose weight, some will maintain weight and some will gain weight. And that's why it's so key that we do body image work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very passionate about helping people work through their body image struggles. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the majority of my clients actually who maintain their weight or even gain weight report that their body image is actually better than it was before they started working with me. So Mm -hmm. that's really important. Um, And then the last misconception is that I'm just going to want to eat quote unquote unhealthy foods all the time. Like if I give myself permission to eat the foods that I enjoy, I'm just going to want to eat milkshakes and French fries and burgers all the time. And that could not be more far from the truth. 
Um, and we already kind of touched on this, but you know, that novelty, like I said earlier, is going to wear off. So um, one example that I like to use is if you think about like falling in love, like if you've ever been in love before, the first time that person says, I love you, it is like this big, explosive, exciting, amazing moment, right? And there's like this buildup, you know? Um, but what happens is throughout the course of your relationship, I mean, maybe it's a year or two down the road. Yeah, you may still love the person, I'm sure, but you don't get those butterflies when they say, I love you anymore. And it's the same way with food. So at first it is kind of exciting of like, oh my gosh, I have permission to eat cheeseburgers. This is amazing. But it's going to get to a point where you're going to get kind of sick of them. And you're going to be like, actually, I want a salad. And so um, I eat way more variety now than I ever did before I became an intuitive eater. And my clients report the same thing after working with me. So um, that's something, again, that I just, I'm always trying to educate and remind people that, you know, actually you're going to be healthier physically and mentally um, as an intuitive eater compared to before. Interesting. What are some of the benefits that you see very early on from intuitive eating? What are some of the big ones that women are, are experiencing as soon as they start using your method and implementing intuitive eating? Yeah. So a lot of people report better energy less preoccupation around food and their body, um, better sleep habits, um, better relationship with food and their body. And so, you know, we're taking away the power that food has held over them for years and years and years by allowing themselves to make all things neutral again. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, just, I mean, the, the mental and physical effects are huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, th those are like the, the aha moments that I like to always remind people if they're struggling with their body image, I always bring it back to what have you gained through intuitive eating? Mm -hmm. And usually it's just feeling so much better as a whole. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the process of planning meals or selecting what you'll eat for someone who's on the journey? What would that look like? as they're trying to incorporate different things into their day and have more variety and less restriction? Yeah. So in the second week of Food Fruiting University, we talk a lot about menu planning. And I do this in a way that it's still supporting you as an intuitive eater. So I do a lot of education in regards to the different food groups and the macronutrients that you're getting from these different food groups and how our bodies benefit from the different macronutrients. So I give a lot of education, number one, on why carbohydrates are so important for our bodies and for our brains. Because yes. there are so many myths out there, especially with PCOS, yeah. um, that regard. So I do a lot of education with carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. And then I give them a long list of food ideas from each food group. And then from there, I teach them how to put together balanced meals that incorporate most, if not all of the food groups. Um, and then with that, I also don't encourage that people set it up like 
on Monday, I'm having taco salad. On Tuesday, I'm having spaghetti and vegetables. Um, I usually just suggest that you write down all of your meal ideas so that you then can, can, can create a grocery list to purchase what you need and then bring the groceries home and decide ideally in the moment what sounds best to you in, in that given uh, meal. Sometimes, obviously, we do need to plan if there's kids sports and other things going on. But um, for the most part, yeah, we should really try to allow our bodies to tell us what we want from day to day. Mm -hmm. So that's really how I teach it. And, and this really helps people feel a little bit safer in knowing that they're being encouraged to eat a variety of foods. So not only not only are they going to feel great physically, but they're also going to feel good mentally knowing that they're choosing things that they like to. Mm -hmm. And is journaling a part of this? Do you encourage that food journaling? You know, it certainly can be, but it isn't something that I specifically uh, require or encourage. So I, I allow people to pick and choose what's going to work for them. But, um, I don't necessarily, yeah, say you should keep a food journal. Okay. Um, tell us what are some of the top tips, maybe three or four things that someone could do right now if they want to get started with intuitive eating? What would those first steps look like for them? Yeah. So the very first thing that I teach in my course is helping people understand their eating personality. And that is very important because we need to understand where our struggles lie so that we know what we need to focus on and what we need to work on. And so I actually created a free quiz. It's uh, on my website. It's realisticrootsnutrition.com forward slash quiz. You can also find it in my Instagram at dietitian.tiana. And that is going to be super helpful for you in identifying what kind of eater are you. Mm -hmm. And then I also include at the end of that quiz, um, some important things to understand that can help you uh, move more towards becoming an intuitive eater. Can so that would be number one. Of one type of eater. Yeah. So um, one eater that I feel like this one is the most common is the unconscious eater. Okay. So somebody who just does not give much thought to when they're eating. So, you know, these people often will clean their plate. They'll pick and choose things just because they're really busy. So they're grabbing and going. Um, they couldn't really tell you where they're at in regards to hunger and fullness before and after their meal. Um, they just are, are pretty disconnected from their body and what their body's telling them. Okay. So, so that's one, but there are four total. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so it's very common type. Yeah. For this most common type. So what would be the first kind of tips or steps that that person, that unconscious eater would take? Yeah. So that's where I would encourage them to focus on a couple of chapters in the book, intuitive eating. So I, I would focus on the chapter on hunger and the chapter on fullness. So learning to pay more attention to your body. And then also with that, I would encourage a little bit more of the menu planning. So people that are always on the go and really busy 
tend to do better when they have a little bit more of a plan. And so, you know, if you don't have a menu, for example, you're not going to know what to buy at the grocery store to ensure that you can eat balanced. Mm -hmm. So menu planning is key for these people. And I also say too, you know, it's okay if some of those meals are, are quick and easy and even frozen. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so the, the more important thing is, you know, if maybe you're doing um, a frozen lasagna, that you're steaming some broccoli to go along with it so that you're eating a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. In that but um, yeah, definitely reading intuitive eating and, and, and looking into those chapters on hunger and fullness are key. Mm-hmm. So starting with hunger and fullness, a little bit of menu planning, and then definitely changing the language and thinking about how we label food, I would say are probably some of the best first steps, right? For someone Absolutely. like that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, great. Um, any final thoughts you want to leave us off with or anything that you want to share beyond what we talked about? Yeah, I would just say for anybody listening, just a word of encouragement that I recognize how scary it can be to embark upon your own intuitive eating journey. But let me tell you, when you have a guide, when you have somebody that is an expert in this leading you and helping you through, I promise you it's not going to be as scary as you think. And you're going to feel better sooner than you think. Mm -hmm. So even though it takes time to reach stage five of intuitive eating, even as you progress through the first couple stages, you are going to feel immensely better, both physically and mentally. And so I just want to encourage anybody who is on the fence about starting intuitive eating journey to just do it. Like, and I recognize it's easier said than done, but um, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help people through the process because I recognize that through working with me, it's saving them a ton of time Mm -hmm. in trying to figure it out on their own. So, um, but yeah, I just absolutely love what I do. And I'm just so grateful for, you know, all the people I've been able to help and, and that I've been a part of their lives, really. That's amazing. Yeah, I definitely think with something like this, you want a coach, you want someone to lead you through it. So you don't waste a lot of time and effort with things that are not going to be productive or give you the results that you're looking for. So a coach could definitely lead you in the right direction. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to link to all the resources that you've mentioned in the show notes. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. I think it's going to be a topic that a lot of my listeners are going to resonate with. So thanks for your time again. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview and I've found a lot of great insights, strategies, and information in what we discussed today. For more information, please visit the show notes below so you can get all the details, links, and recommendations that were discussed today. And if you like this podcast and what you've heard today, leave a review and subscribe to the show so you never miss when new episodes are out and you also help more people find this information. I'll be here again next week with a new episode. Until then, be well. Bye for now.